What's up, everybody, and welcome to Split... <laughs> did you just say Split Screen? Wow. I did. Uh, no, we're keeping that. We're keeping that. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Kick-Ass Irreverent Gaming Podcast, Respawn Aim Fire, where three lifelong friends gather to talk about video games. I'm Chad. Michael Innes. That's the whole name. We should put in whole names. That's Holden DePardo. That's not my whole name, though. Holden Christopher Thomas Jefferson the first Holden Departo. <laughs> Close, but it's Holden Christopher Adams Departo. And you, the listener, are you, and that's why we love you. We have so much shit to talk about today. Oh, that sorry, that voice right there just reminds me of Rick and Morty, which also reminded me that Trover Saves the Universe comes out in four days, which also reminded me, whoa, I'm gonna have a great weekend. Um. <laughs> We've got a shit ton of stuff. We've got all sorts of PS5 stuff. We've got new Xbox stuff. We've got uh, some new Nintendo announcements coming next week. <laughs> so we're not going to sit here and dilly-dally with our dicks and our finger cups. <laughs> that's <laughs> Finger cups. That's, that's what a, a, a palm is now. It's a finger cup. It's <laughs> not how it works at all. Like The fingers are protruding from the hand, not within the hand. No, listen. If you If you had a coffee mug... And instead of a handle, it had fingers coming out of the side of it. You would call that a, a finger mug, right? I guess even in that th- scenario. <laughs> they're not the thing that holds something. They're extending from it. Well, your palm is the worst cup ever. <laughs> <laughs> it just depends on what you need to hold in the cup. Uh, all if right. it's like four screws while you're putting together an Ikea cabinet, it's great. For the purposes of discussion, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Logic wins again. We're going to start today by talking about our E3 quest log. Did we even put playtime in here? We did. Okay. We did, yeah. E3 quest log. It is that time of the month when it is time for E3 to start coming up with the conversation, and uh, that's now. So, <laughs> first up... This actually dropped right after we stopped recording last time. Game of Thrones author and From Software's Great Rune, rumored for E3. This is from Rory Young at Game Rant. I am pumped about this. I could be pumped. Well, George R. Martin didn't confirm anything about From Software, but he did say he's working with a Japanese developer on a project. It's like, why not From Software? Why not them? That'd be great. You're right. They are the only Japanese developer. They are the only ones. There's, it's the, the whole country. One. It's just the one developer. Yeah, Japan Studio out of Korea. Yeah, shockingly enough. It's a misnomer. Yeah. Nintendo's struggling to get into China, their home country. It's been a whole thing. They've yeah. been developing Switches there, but they can't sell them in China. What's the relationship between Hong Kong, Shanghai, and China? Uh, I know they're, they're independent in some way, I think. I have no idea. But, um, but isn't one of them the I have, I'm the wrong too? person to ask that question. <laughs> also, to be clear, uh, Nintendo is in Japan. They're not in China. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Just people don't think that our sarcasm is fact. Um, so it's Game of Thrones, satire. though, this Game of Thrones from software game, it is not a Game of Thrones from software game. It is going to be called Great Rune, apparently, and it's going to be an open world action RPG. Uh, it's going to be also made by um, um, Miyazaki, who made Sekiro, Bloodborne, Demon Souls, Dark Souls. He made all those games. So... By himself. By himself. No one else's help. He was the director <laughs> of those games. The visionary behind it. It's plausible. The rumor is totally plausible. It's one of those things where it sounds so great, it could either be one of those rumors that fades into nothing because it's just too good to be true, or one of the coolest things to be announced at Microsoft's E3 events, if it's true. I'm yes. pumped. 
This to me could be could be one of two things. It could be the next Kingdoms of Amalur, where they're like, we have R. A. Salvatore writing for you know the person who does oh, all I the didn't stuff. Consider for the... that, yeah. Uh, and then it turns out that the game mechanically is really dope, but everyone just is kind of met on the game itself. Or this could be like Guillermo del Toro and his nineteen different gaming projects that he's ever been involved in that all never see the light of day. Well, this is apparently coming out like next year. Well, that's what they say. Uh, so if that's Silent Hills was apparently coming out in the following year, I'm sure too. They never announced uh, that at all. So that's they not, had a playable not... teaser of the game. <laughs> it was specifically <laughs> teaser. They hadn't made anything of the game yet. Um, so in this case, when Bloodborne came out, Dark Souls Three came out the next year. Even though both games were uh, directed by Miyazaki. So it's actually not uh, impossible to imagine that Miyazaki's going to make Sekiro and then Great Rune, if it's real, comes out next year as well. That's, yeah. It's totally possible. Uh, there will be horses, apparently, in Great Rune. Yeah. That's one of the very, very few things that we've... I was going to say that we know, but we don't know anything because it's all rumor. But I'm tempering my expectations on this. Watch it be like a play-along... Sorry, I have the hiccups right now, and I'm yeah. trying not to throw up in my own mouth. Um, not like a like a telltale thing, and everyone's like super underwhelmed. I don't think that's going to be the case here. I think if anything, the underwhelming element's going to be, or the, the just the thing to consider. George R. R. Martin's probably not going to write every single story, every single quest, every bit of dialogue in the game. He's probably contributing. He's working on so many like so many projects. He's working on and the not five the ones people want him to work books. on. Write the fucking books. <laughs> Apparently he's still working on it. But the point is, he's, there's no way he's writing the script for an entire game. There's just yeah. no way. It's, it's impossible. But it's cool that he'll be kind of influencing it, and that's exciting to see. Because I do think there's a uh, kind of a shared uh, creativity in... Or a shared theme, I should say, in, in Dark Fantasy for both George R. R. Martin and for From Software. That I think them working together could be intriguing. I think so, too. We'll find out more at E3. Speaking of things that are impossible, like George R.R. R. Martin writing the entire script for that game, <laughs> um, it's going to be impossible for you to get hands-on Cyberpunk 2077 Good at segue. E3. Thank you. But you will be able to get eyes on because they will have <laughs> <laughs> watchable gameplay demos at their E3 booth. So you can watch one of them play it uh, mm-hmm. at E3 if you are going. Uh, that will be That is confirmed from CD Projekt Red. There is a quote. To answer many questions about the demo and whether or not Cyberpunk will be playable at E3, we are going to be hosting gameplay presentations, parentheses, game played by us, in that cinema. So, yes, it will be there. You just can't play it yet. I think that this is not as concerning as it sounds. Um, Do you think that's concerning? Well, I think people are expecting this game to come out pretty soon. Either, like you were saying, it's going to come out this year. and then... Did I say that? Yeah, you said it's going to come out. I believe it then. (laughs) (laughs) Past me is brilliant. And um, (laughs) and then I I was saying it's going to come out next year. And I was thinking like, ooh, does this mean like it's just like not ready? And like they just really don't want people to play with it because it's just it's so controlled that the demos are having. And I really think it's that they know people are going to go everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. They know someone gets their hands on this game. They're going to try to get through every single building. People will go in and collaborate online to figure out okay if you go to this building then i'll go to this building we'll try to find everything in it and they probably don't have all those buildings filled up right i imagine the last things on their other than like squashing bugs the last thing on their to-do list is to like 
fill out all the tiny dialogue of people elsewhere in the world that don't matter at all and all that kind of stuff. And it's just not going to be full and ready by the time. Yeah, but they can begins. make a certain square of the map like that. Right. So exactly. it's I'm not I'm not worried about this at all. I think that they just want to control the hype because it's a beast of its own at this point. Yeah. I'm super pumped though because apparently they are going to have like an hour worth of content super to show off again. Pumped. So yeah. Super pumped. Why is eight chan on this thing again? Okay, rumor. Let me read this. Rumor: THQ Nordic E3 2019 plans leak include destroy all humans. This comes from Dalton Cooper at Game Rant. The leak does not. But during an eight chan AMA, Reinhard Police is that right? I think it's Police. It's spelled like police with two L's. Oh, it's probably Spanish. Police. Oh, police. Police. Pollo Hermanos of THQ Nordic posted a screenshot of their E3 lineup. Uh, Holden has a screenshot, and it includes Darksiders Genesis, Destroy All Humans, Despacito, Monster Jam, Biomutant, and Monkey King? (laughs) Uh, Monkey King in the screenshot does have a question mark on it. Darksiders Genesis, interestingly enough, would be the fourth game, and it is a game about the four horsemen, so maybe we will finally see whatever that fourth horseman is. Possibly. Um, I think Destroy All Humans makes sense. They teased a little while ago something galactic coming back. It's like, oh, Destroy All Humans makes sense. But this isn't really kind of even a leak, because technically it actually did come from this guy, uh, Reinhard. Yeah. He posted it. So I guess like that's happening. And you said like why 8chan again? This is that 8chan like AMA that that was talked that about. That was so famously a stupid decision. Yeah. A and it, and decision. they made a stupid decision here too by just tweeting basically or having a little text comment of what their whole showcase is going to be for E3. <laughs> like THQ Nordic is such a fascinating beast. But we're talking about them right now, so we are. That is indeed true. But we're yeah. going to stop talking about them right now because we got to move on and talk about some other shit that I'm so excited to talk about. <laughs> it's playtime where we talk about the games we played this week. Hold on. I'm going to let you go first because you played a lot of Rage 2 and I want to hear all about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I played a lot more Rage 2. Apparently, I played one day, which is not possible. They said I played, played over 24 hours. I didn't play over 24 hours. That doesn't seem right at all. But I, I didn't play know, a lot more. Every time I got on the PSN, it said you were playing Rage 2. No, it didn't. I would go a few days without being able to play a game, so there's no way. Well, I only got on PSN like twice, so. Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, I played more Rage 2, and I think my thoughts last week were, um, I'll bet, horribly spoken. Just basically was, it's fun to shoot things in the game. And that's basically still how I feel about the game, is that <laughs> it's really fun to shoot things. And it's something like, oh, what's the story? The story is, there's a general guy that you're trying to overcome, so you're talking to these three people on the map to, like work with them to, I guess, overcome the general. Um, but really, you're just going around the map and shooting things. It's like it, what it always comes down to. The characters really yeah. aren't that rich. The world's not super rich. But if you look at the game as a playground to shoot things, it's a good time. You're just kind of spending a lot of time driving between different locations. Here's the thing, though. I'm really, really enjoying my time with the game, despite the fact that I know it's like a very simple experience in terms of it's very straightforward yeah but it's so polished and in how tight the shooting mechanics feel not so there's some other bugs with it i'll get to that in a second but it's so polished the shooting mechanics that i just keep wanting to want to go to the next bandit's base or bandit's camp to 
to run through it. And it is also just super hectic. You have basically most bandit set, uh, camps are set up where somewhere high up in the camp, if there is a high up area, they have someone shooting rockets at you. While you have people on lower levels either throwing grenades at you or charging at you with batons or this like big shield that they'll pull away to throw like a, a knife or something like that or like a, what are they called? Wing something. Shuriken? No, that's not. They call it a wing something. Bat-wing. I what it's called. Battering. But basically, it's like a battering, but it's like they're like kind of special version of it in this wing stop too, and i can't forget what it's called i can't remember what it's called the point is is that you have the all these wing. different types of enemies shut up chad you have all these different types <laughs> of enemies that are coming at you and you just have to respond super fast you have to either like if you like l1 you can just kind of dash out of the way really quickly but it feels very sudden and it's just it's a it's very satisfying very sudden and satisfying so you're just jumping around this map constantly, trying to get in headshots as quickly as you can. And sometimes the enemies are a little bit bullet spongy, so you just kind of always have a lot of enemies chasing after you. So a lot of the times I'll kind of run around, shoot a bunch of guys as much as I can, maybe take some of their armor off, and then I'll pop out my shotgun and like mow some people down, then come back around another corner and, and just keep running around the map to like kind of keep them off guard. Because if I stand still, I'm dead almost instantly. It's really tough. Kind of sounds um, like what Days Gone wanted to be with that horde of freakers chasing you. <laughs> it's not that many people chasing you, though. It, it might be like 10, not like 100 or so. But it's just really hectic and chaotic. A good way to kind of think about it is what Fallout 4 lacks, this game has. But it lacks everything Fallout 4 has. So, like, Fallout 4 has... A really cool world with really fun characters, but the shooting mechanics just really aren't that interesting. And this has really, really great shooting mechanics and a world and characters that just aren't that interesting. So they complete each other. They complete each other. If you put them together, they'd make the perfect open world, sandbox, post-apocalyptic shooting game. The visuals are gorgeous, though. Oh, shit. Yeah, when I walk into a city, it's like, man, I wish there was something more to this because it's painted so well like every like all the aesthetics of of the buildings the people kind of like just hanging around everything looks so good but there's there's it's just style there's no substance to it kind of like which is unfortunate know, carmen electra or pamela anderson yeah like it has it as much really great but there's just nothing to nothing nothing rattling around in there that's interesting <laughs> It has as enough style to make convincing enough pitches that it's going to be a really cool world, but it just keeps not living up to what it seems to be promising. Um, but the thing is, is that none of that bothers me enough because I still want to go play Rage 2 after we're done recording. So I still nice. really do like the game, but it's definitely not um, kind of what I wanted it to be in terms of this really cool world to explore as well. I think they tease the world a lot in, in the marketing and showing some cool landscapes, but beyond the cool sites, I just want to go back to some missions. Cool. I have more stuff I'll kind of go into next week about the story and kind of how the story unfolds. But um, for right now, I'm really, really liking it. And if you bought it or are thinking about buying it, if you, if you liked Doom, if you love the shooting mechanics of Doom and that game felt great to you, you're really going to like Rage 2. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I also played what if Borderlands I bought Doom 2. and I never played it? Uh, you should play that first because that game is awesome. It's so good. Great. Borderlands 2, I also played that. We'll talk about that, I guess. 
Then Why did you play Borderlands 2? What's the significance of that? Uh, it's something about like, our barf game. I don't know if you know anything about that, Chad. What does barf stand for? Barf is backlog, backlog accomplishments with respawn and friends. If you're supporting us on Patreon, we have a game night and we're playing Borderlands 2, so you can play Borderlands 2 with us. Oh, where can I go to support you on Patreon? Patreon.com forward slash respawn and fire. You don't have to say forward slash. You can just say slash. No, I'm going to say forward slash because it's but my soul might trees, do. Just do it. Someone might do backslash instead because they don't know. I'm just telling them. Because they've never slash. been on the internet. And in that case, we don't want your dollar. Well, I mean, I have a hard time with Slack. So people have hard time with technology <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> um, and then we also played Dauntless together last night. We did. Yeah. Um, you introduced me to the game. So you, you share your thoughts on it first. Uh, Dauntless is the new, the new hot thing for the moment. <clears throat> Similar to like Fortnite and... PUBG and um, what's the what's the most recent one that people love from Titanfall guys? Apex Legends. Legends. That's what a Apex Legends. That's it. Uh, so it's kind of the a new big fan. He's a big fan, fan over here. Played every day. <laughs> um, so Dauntless <laughs> is kind of the new thing that was just kind of shadow dropped last week. It is a monster hunter, like an accessible monster hunter almost. Came comes from Epic Games, um, and it's a free to play game. Obviously, with microtransactions, and you know, there's a hunt pass, which is very, very similar to a battle pass from Fortnite. But it's them taking the success of Fortnite and applying it to a different genre to attract different types of people. Uh, we both played it together. We played maybe, probably about an hour and a half, maybe. I think yeah, about an it. hour and a half, yeah. And I played uh, one extra mission after that uh, before I shut it off for the day. But it's a it's a game that's all about fighting big monsters in groups of four. And getting materials to craft new armor that might work better against future monsters and new weapons and that kind of stuff. And then leveling up your skills. There are a ton of systems in this game. uh, From different quests to shooting, like upgrading your gun, every piece of the gun, the lanterns to consumables. There's so much shit going on. And Holden was very overwhelmed at first and complaining nonstop. To be but, <laughs> fair, that frame rate was driving me insane. It was literally yes. giving me a headache. What? So it's since it's so new and it's the hot new thing from Epic, everyone's doing it. And in fact, it took me a little over 20 minutes to finally just get into the game. Yeah, there was a 40,000 person waiting list. Yeah, yeah. So that is uh, definitely a barrier to entry right now. I'm sure that as you guys are listening to it, it's improved a bit. But yeah, being in that shared town area where everything kind of the hub world that everything kind of goes out of that frame rate was it, when it got bad, it was sickening, but oh, it was that bad the entire time I was in that hub area the entire until the time. end of it. And you're like, I think it's getting better or maybe I'm just getting used to being sick. Yeah. So I want to start with the things I liked about the game first and then I'll mm-hmm. go on to some of that stuff. Um, it has a really, really in-depth character creator and I really enjoyed it. Oh, it did, yeah. Um, I I don't know why I enjoyed it so much. I just enjoyed it. I made a character I thought looked really badass, and let's get the character editor. It was it was very very shockingly in depth. The art style is fantastic. It looks really nice. It has an aesthetic that reminds me of Fortnite in a lot of ways, which I don't think is an accident, right? Um, but I really enjoy the art style a lot. It, it's going to work well if you do continue playing it and they keep having interesting types of monsters because it's a very um, kind of color-heavy, or I should say, the colors are very, very... You're a designer. What, what am I trying they're to say? Vibrant, they're vibrant. 
super saturated. No, I'm not even trying to say that. There's something kind of cartoony without being cartoony about it. Is there a bold. term? Yeah, right, sure, bold. So that art style is going to work really, really well for creature designs and all that going forward. Where it's not quite a cartoon, but it has this kind of realistic look to it at the same time. I didn't like the gameplay, though, is is kind of the, the big issue for me. I'll get to the hub world. And that's a really big complaint of mine as well. But the gameplay was a little stiff, which I can forgive because it's a free-to-play game. But what I couldn't forgive is that I didn't have, like, lock-on. Or maybe we were missing something. But if I pushed in the left, uh, the left thumbstick, then it would turn the camera towards the monster as long as the monster was in a close enough range. If it was too far right. away, then it wouldn't do it. Which would get kind of annoying because the monsters do jump around a lot and might have gone out of that range. But anyway, it would jump out of the way and then I'd have to hit that button to lock onto the monster again to see what I'm supposed to do, what I'm supposed to respond to. Oh, as soon as I lock onto the monster, he hits me. And it just got really annoying after a while. Um, You didn't seem to get annoyed by that. Maybe I was just more vocal, but did you not have that issue? I think I was just better at using the controls. That's possible. I, I... I never came into a situation, I don't think, where I was like, I don't know where the monster is right now. Uh, and then as soon as I face him... Well, it's not and- that I didn't know where it was. It was like, I would just hit it so I could lock on to know what it was going to do next. And then as soon as I would lock on and see it again, it's hitting me that that moment. I mean, yeah, sure, I could have just dodged out of the way right before I locked on. But it, when it moves away from you, your first instinct shouldn't be to dodge. I don't know why not. I mean, I did, and I got a higher rank okay. than you on every single battle. So You did, because you dodged <laughs> that case. Uh, but it gave, always gave us your rank as the team rank. <laughs> no, it was a, it was a different combine because mine was like S+, and yours was A, and then we both got S++ as the team rank. That doesn't make any sense. I guess the... I was just so good at carried us to victory. Whole, so. Anyway, so I, I was very annoyed with the lock-on mechanic. That was my yeah. experience, at least. So I guess not everyone has that. I wonder um, if that. It, I think that's might be the same way in Monster Hunter World, and I wonder if it's because if you hit it at a different spot, you know, you could break different parts of the monster. You could break its leg, break its tail, break its horn, whatever it is. Yeah. I wonder if it's they don't have lock on so that you can be more like you can attack specific parts of it without having to be guided towards one specific area. But in that no, case, ga- let me lock have, on the different legs. And yeah, I know. Like, games have figured that out before because you can just lock onto a leg or the tail or yeah. whatever part of it that, that is interesting. And then it might be a way to discover what parts you can chop off. Yeah. Now, the hub world, as you kind of mentioned, is a really bad frame rate. You, I think we're, we're also very different gamers. So you kind of went into the hub world and started talking to absolutely everybody instantly yep i don't like doing it that way because it kind of keeps me in that opening kind of few that opening section for too long i just want to run around really quick and just see what the whole area looks like so i'd run around and see what the whole area looks like and when i finally did start talking to people they wouldn't say anything back to me i didn't really there was no other options and then i never knew how to get back to that opening area again and i also don't recall I guess there was, like, a, a question mark symbol above one of those characters, mm-hmm. but I just looked past it, so I missed it, and there was really nothing that was pointing me back and saying, like, this is the central area you're supposed to be in. So I kind of got lost in that. Combined with the horrible frame rate, I just got super annoyed. Yeah, I, I mean, know. the frame <laughs> rate was nauseating, and I really don't think that I would have been that upset about not knowing where I was in that area had the frame rate been consistent, but it was so bad... I was literally telling you, I don't think I can keep playing. I kept getting vibes to when I got like sick playing Resident Evil 7 VR. 
where I just for like 40 minutes after playing Resident Evil 7 I was still nauseous I, it wasn't like that bad but I felt really uncomfortable I know, Hibaria. I could feel your pain through your voice and it made me not want to play with you anymore. <laughs> to be honest, it was like, Jesus Christ, if you complain about one more fucking thing, I'm just going to shut this off right now. But then, whenever my frame rate, like an hour later in the town, did get that bad, I was like, oh, now I completely see what he was talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's it was, and it was like that for me for the, the entire time. So you you had moments in the hub world where it wasn't like that. Yeah, most of, my, most of the time in the hub world, like it would get framey for like a second and then I'd have like 30 seconds of good and then mm-hmm. like a second of frame rate stutter and then yeah uh, but yeah that that one time for me eventually it did get really bad where i'm running and then i like jump back a few steps and then i jump and start warping and the frame rate gets awful and yeah i've always had a mild interest in monster hunter if it wasn't so complicated and this seems a lot less complicated than monster hunter so if it gets better in in a few months i might check it out again because I do think it'd be a fun game to play with people online. I'd much rather do that than a Fortnite or a PUBG or an Apex Legends. But right now, I can't. There's yeah. just no way. It is, to be clear, just like Fortnite, a constantly evolving game. Yeah, um, that's why I'm willing to go back to it. It's also epic games. Yes. Yeah. So they, it is a studio that's going to back it. Right. I uh, enjoyed my time, I think, with it a lot more than Holden did. I loved the combat, all the different weapon types that I tried out. I tried the the chain things, which are basically Kratos's. Uh, Chains of Olympus, mm-hmm. uh, Blades of Chaos. Sorry, they're every, Chains of Olympus is the name of a game. Blades of Chaos. Um, then my favorite was the Pike, which normally I always stay away from, like Pikes and Halberds and those range type weapons in RPGs. But I was like, let me just try out this one. And then it turns out it's like a fucking bow staff, and you're just like doing martial arts with it. And then it also has like this awesome charged up rocket cannon thing in it. And I was like, ah! So if I ever play this game some more, that's <laughs> definitely the weapon that I'm going to use. Um, so yeah, the weapons felt really great. The combat felt good, depending on what you're using. Some of it was slow, but of course you, you use a hammer, it's going to be slow. I was not, I, I liked the loop, the gameplay loop, kill a monster, get some stuff, go back, craft weapons and armor. And you're like, oh man, I've got three pieces of the armor set. I'm going to go back and kill that same monster to get some more materials so I can finally craft that. So that lets me find another monster that's even stronger later. Like that loop, I can definitely see how it's going to be super addicting. Um, there are... I think too many systems, honestly, right now. Like when you left, I did that last piece. And the the quest that we didn't do together, the shock um yeah. I forget the behemoth. The shock behemoth. That one was more of what I imagine Monster Hunter is, where it was a huge area compared to the other three that we had done. And you had to track the monster. And of oh, course I'm I was interested in, in trying that out. Yeah. There were four I just teamed up with three rando people. And right off the bat, we all just ran in completely separate directions. And then I could see that one of my teammates was, like, getting hit. I was like, oh, he found the monster. And I was just running around for literally a good, like, three minutes before I was like, I have no idea where the fuck anyone is. And that guy is obviously the only one who found the monster. (laughs) And uh, then we eventually got there, and one of the time we started showing up and fighting. But that seems like it could be a little bit more interesting. But that's honestly the part that I'm not interested in is tracking a monster and not doing anything but following <laughs> clues. Like, that that doesn't interest me at all. What does interest me is cool last combat, uh, and I felt like it did have that. But I there are too the, many systems. Sorry, go on. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think the areas, I think the other areas we were in are bigger. They just had the monster early on. Because you were yeah, able to run be. past the monster, and there was some more stuff there. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I didn't enjoy all the different types of... Um, potions and that there were so many different 
parts of the gun that you could upgrade as well. And I'm like, I don't even know when I would use a gun, let alone want to upgrade every single part of it. Uh, there's a lot of pushiness. Obviously, it's a free-to-play game. There's a lot of pushiness for you to like buy extra stuff. And so I could see myself, if I got into it, paying a lot of money. But I kind of enjoyed my time with it, but I don't think I'm going back. What it did make me interested in was trying out Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter World. Um, so I think the next time that thing goes on sale, I'll probably pick it up. But I only want to play that if I'm playing it with a crew of like four people and we're all going out. So if you're listening to this and you have Monster Hunter or if Monster Hunter World ever comes on Game Pass, because I did just pick up Game Pass for three months for one dollar. Um, let's uh, let's make a little hunting clan. Let's go to some stuff. That also sounds like a really good game night game. It does. What I'm else? interested in doing that for for barf because i i'm mildly interested in monster hunter i keep warming to the idea then not warming up to it then warming up to it then not yeah. warming up to it so i'm in that that flip-flopping phase but especially if that, we that did could do like me. the online requirement once a week like we're doing with borderlands yeah like i that could convince me um yeah that sounds interesting uh this is going to be a, a harder game to pick up and play with people unlike apex legends and fortnite because you are leveling up. You are getting new equipment that makes you objectively better, and it's not just like a skill kind of base thing. And some people have certain behemoths unlocked, some people don't. So I feel like it's going to be harder to break through, and it's like not everyone can just pick up and immediately play, immediately play with each other. But um, we'll see if it has legs. That was Dauntless. And then I played a couple of other things. One I want to talk about real quick. It's not a game, but Raising Kratos came out a few weeks ago on YouTube, and that's the two-hour-long God of War documentary. And it is fascinating. It's wonderful. If you enjoy video games at all, whether you've played God of War or not, it does have God of War spoilers. If you plan on playing God of War, maybe play it first. But it's fascinating and worth watching for everyone. I do want to see it. I'm curious how much... Is it mostly showing kind of the performance and the art side of it or is a lot of it on the kind of the coding and development of the game as well kind of it's, what's the balance kind of a little bit of everything okay a little bit of everything you laugh you cry i i did cry while watching this oddly enough i did not expect to but i did <laughs> um it's great just go watch it shut up and watch it i played observation have you heard of observation i have not i've heard of I operation like op- i played operation I was Daddy Doctor, and I was operating on a little miss. Uh, <laughs> observation <laughs> is, I feel like we saw a trailer for it somewhere. Maybe it was E3. Maybe it was a direct somewhere. But it's a game where it's on a, an, a space station of sorts, like an international space station, but it's not specifically that one. And you play as the AI on the ship. Like, you're not a person who's interacting with the AI. You are the AI. And it's all done through camera feeds. And, sure. yeah. It's, this is a puzzle game. Are you okay? Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. So you play as the AI. And so that gameplay mechanic and that uh, kind of that, – that trick is cool where, oh, you have to go figure out what's happening in this area. Or you have to solve – something so that we can move on and do something else and you're like just jumping between security camera feeds and zooming in on things and finding documents and um that's really interesting little twist it's came out of nowhere and and like every site reviewed it this week it came out this week as well so i guess it didn't come out of nowhere it came out this week (laughs) but everyone's reviewing it really really well like uh ign gave it a nine 
GameSpot gave it an eight and a half, and I just watched the trailer for it, which made it look really, really spooky and almost like a horror kind of game. And then I just looked at the scores, and I was like, "All right, I'm gonna play this game," and uh, downloaded it. It was twenty five bucks. It's about a six hour experience. Um, and by the end of it, I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not because it's not necessarily good. It's, it's good. It's good. (laughs) But I'm not a puzzle guy. I'm not a puzzle guy, and I did not know it was going to be a puzzle game. Quote from Chad. It's good. It's good. (laughs) They're going to put it in the box. (laughs) I started out playing it, and it, I very quickly was like, oh, Oh, this is puzzles. Like, I have to... It's it's one of those things where it doesn't tell you specifically where to go or what to get sometimes. So you're in this room and you got to figure out, all right, what the fuck do I got to find in this room? I got to find some documentation somewhere that points me to something else. And then I take those two pieces of information, combine them, and make something else out of it. And then that tells me where to go. You make it and sound it like, like it's Resident Evil 2 without the zombies in the horror. Oh, God. Well, you're right. There were no zombies. Well, no. There were no zombies. <laughs> What do you mean, um, well? <laughs> well, you have to play the game to figure it out. <laughs> but what did keep me going through the whole thing, obviously not a platinum trophy kept me going because there is no fucking platinum trophy for this game. Otherwise, I would have gotten it. But just about every single time, about 30, 45 minutes go by, and I'm, about, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I know it's six hours, but I'm two hours in already. I'm not going to play the other four. Something would happen story-wise that would just be just interesting enough and just cliffhanger enough to be like... I kind of got to know what happens. And then I play a little bit more and I get to the point where I was like, oh, I'm so done with this game. And then something happens like, I got to figure out what that is. (laughs) And then I got to the end of it and I was like, the very end of the game, I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't know what happened. I feel like this wasn't worthwhile for me. There were literally parts at the very end of the game where I was, I was shouting out loud at my TV like the woman would be on, uh, oh, Sam, Sam's name in the artificial intelligence. Sam, join me in this room. Sam, come here. Sam, I'm waiting for you to come here. And I'm like, I literally shot on the TV. I don't fucking know how to get to where you are, you stupid bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but Chad, sometimes finding out where you need to go is the puzzle. I know. That was the puzzle. Fucking puzzle platforming. It's never a puzzle. No. It's a stupid but this lazy was puzzle. a puzzle. It was a stupid ass puzzle that I fucking hated. But what what made it worse is that it wasn't a figure out the puzzle and uh, take your time, learn how to get there. It was every 60 seconds. Sam, where are you? Sam, come find me. Like, it's just mocking you that you haven't <laughs> fucking figured out that you have to get into that vent and travel through the vents to get to the other area. It's like what people joke Navi's really like, but really is that annoying. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. It, it's really... Uh, the art style is kind of cool in that everything looks... when you're Especially when you're playing through cameras, everything looks like it's kind of on a VHS-type thing. Uh, so it has a really interesting style to it. I took a lot of screenshots and sent them to you. You're welcome. I know, uh, just that. so I could save them and use them for future quotes of the episodes. Um, but there were also a lot of technical issues. There was things like the the lips would be way out of sync. Like literally, I'm gonna clap whenever this woman would would whenever her mouth. Would, I'm gonna say something, and then my clapping represents when her mouth actually starts moving. Okay, Sam, why don't you come over here and? 
And like it would literally be seconds you would hear the audio and then seconds would go by before you start hearing her speak or seeing her speak. <laughs> and then there was this also there was a cutscene where like two people are sitting there side by side talking and then her head just starts drifting through the wall. <laughs> and they're like, is she is she clipping through the wall right now? She is clipping. And then at the end of the conversation, she's like, cool, I'm gonna go take care of blah blah blah. I'll be back. And she just gets up and in zero gravity, just whoop, rockets right through the wall. <laughs> Complete body, just <laughs> as if there's nothing there. Just goes right through it, out into space. <laughs> That's how space works. Yeah, so there were um, there were definitely some issues. I had issues with it, like, being in, like forever stuck on a loading screen. I'm surprised. Props to me for sticking with this game. That's what they call perseverance, you guys. <laughs> um... Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get whatever. It has an interesting hook where you're playing as an AI. The, I, don't, I don't get the clever? 9.0 like, Could you just be like, oh, I can see why someone would think this is a good puzzle? I don't. I, they weren't super in deep, like, deep puzzles. Okay. Like, nowhere near the witness level. But, okay. um. I mean, is it that kind of. Okay. I'll I'll check it out. I might check it out, actually. Uh, yeah, watch some gameplay or something of yeah. it. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't understand the 9 out of 10s. That is kidding. But, it's because it's twenty five dollars and it's made by like a handful of people, maybe. It was actually made by who was it made by? It was made by someone. Oh, it's made by Kojima Games. This is this is actually what Shut Death up. is. <laughs> Observation game developer. Oh, it was Devolver Digital published. Um, that also contributed to part of why I picked it up. So I was like, oh, Devolver, it makes some quality stuff. Developed by No Code. Yeah, do with that what you will. If you're looking at it and you're like, I don't like puzzles. What did Chad have to think about it? Fuck it. But I did start playing Guacamelee 2 as well on my Switch. Um, and this game, I I totally forgot what I loved so much about Guacamelee. And it's how self-referential and video game referential this game is. Um, and pop culture. It It is, first of all, an incredible metroidvania game and in fact it straight up steals things like (laughs) the uh place where you get new skills it is the metroid statue you know the metroid statues that like are holding the ball in their hands and you're like oh you got Mm -hmm. the morph ball it's that but it's the mexican version of it uh there's a lot of things that are like very similar to other video games but they're chicken versions because chickens are a big thing in this game there are billboards everywhere that reference everything from sonic to Arrested Development, to Oh, everything. Arrested Development. You got There's, me sold. I'm in. Yeah, someone who's wearing a Bluth banana shirt. Right now. Um, yep. <laughs> this game is so funny. Uh, straight up in the beginning, there's like something from Play Dead Games. I won't spoil what it is, but there's something from Play Dead Games in there as well. Uh, this game is great. It's fantastic. It feels super great. If you were a fan of Guacamelee 1, all of that same kind of stuff is back, and it feels better than ever. There is a heavy emphasis on multiplayer, so I really want to try to play it with somebody. Uh, I move into my new apartment tomorrow night, so hopefully one of them will play video games with me. Probably not, though. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's super fun. If you have Guacamelee 2, or if you're curious about it, I'm a third of the way, almost halfway maybe through it. It's about an eight-hour game. I'm it's fucking loving it. The music is fantastic, too. And art style, of course, is Drinkbox Studio, so they always make everything that looks really fucking great. I have not played even Guacamelee. Did you ever play uh, Severed? 
Nope. I know what that is. But I have played. you played any Drinkbox Studio games? Nope. Not one. Well, you should. I've heard good things. Actually, I know that I think all the well, Severed and both Guacamelee games are on Switch. Yeah. Let's check them out. Pick them up. They're wonderful. And in my, you know, renaissance of Metroidvania games, you know, learning this year that I love Metroidvania so much. And the beginning of the game is a straight up nod to Symphony of the Night, too. And I was like, oh, my God, this is 100% Symphony of the Night. This is so cool. I love it. I love it. Um. Yeah, we don't have time to talk about anything else. We gotta move the fuck. Yeah, we on. gotta move on. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Let's breeze through our fetch quests. Quests that just don't have a whole lot to them. We're gonna read some headlines. Holden, take us through it. So, God of War has passed ten million in lifetime sales. Good for them. There's a release date for the um for Man of Medan, which or sorry, yeah, Man of Medan. I wrote Madan. Madan. Uh, the Man Madonna? of Medan, which is uh, from the people who made Until Dawn. That's August right. 30th. It's the release date for that. Metro Exodus um, had the largest... What What do you say to a, a community playthrough of that Labor Day weekend? We're not going to commit Ooh. hardcore, but sometime after that game re- releases, let's have a, a community playthrough of it. For the first time playthrough. That'd be fun. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes! Speaking of fun, Metro Exodus has the largest launch in THQ Nordic history, and they're now working on an unannounced game, which is probably another Metro game. Uh, the first gameplay for Neo 2 is shown off in a trailer for the closed beta. It looks... Closed alpha. Oh, closed alpha, sorry. Uh, looks really good. Google has confirmed that during the summer, we're going to hear more information on the release date, price, and all that for Stadia. So I'm excited to see what that's going to be like. Yep. And then Death Stranding on Wednesday is going to get something, some sort of announcement, a new trailer probably. Yeah, so I think they did say it was going to be a trailer, right? He they, they just showed that like creating the rope or whatever it is, May 29th. Oh yeah, create the rope. Also, the name has never made sense, but strand like a strand of of yarn or rope. Yep, it says the countdown death of stranding? death stranding has started, May 29th. Create Maybe the things rope. that connect death together, the strands How? that connect death together awesome would it be i don't know the countdown to death stranding it's just coming out may 29th it's not gonna happen that's my sister's birthday they would never coincide (laughs) (laughs) that's good that's good reasoning i like that reasoning yeah (laughs) um no definitely not coming out may 29th but that would be badass if they did do that though i don't shadow drop it they're not going to they're not going to but it'd be really awesome Pokemon Sword and Shield, they're going to have a direct for those games uh, next week, June 5th. Ooh, I hope they show off the legendaries. Oh, I'm sure they will. Let's move to third party. <laughs> we have a great story here. Oh, Anthem on Xbox One has fewer players than Fallout 76 and Battlefield 1. I should Dalton say, Cooper at Game Rant. I should say great story, but like, honestly, surprising. I didn't expect it to be that low. Holy Yeah, crap. me neither. Uh, Microsoft maintains a list of the most played games on Xbox. Battlefield 1 is lowest on the list. Anthem isn't even present. Uh, the, site, the site Battlefield 1 Stats tracks Battlefield 1 and shows it goes between 2,500 and 7,500 active players. So that means Anthem is lower than that or near it. That is, I mean, Anthem had a rocky start and is still having some problems with its community and is uh, being like really upset with it, but... I did not even know that it was worse than Fallout 76. Yeah. Bet those servers run real smooth, though. Oh, yeah, they do. No <laughs> frame rate in that hub world. Nope. Oh, man. How do they address that at E3? 
I oh, they don't have a press conference, so they don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> but they have to mention it at some point. I mean, maybe if they show off like whatever the next expansion. And they didn't up say is. they weren't going to be at E three um, at all. They just said they're not going to be at E three the conference. They'll have... They're just doing live streams of games. That's it. Yeah. So maybe they'll maybe they're planning on showing off some new anthem content, and now maybe not. I don't know. I really don't know. They've oh, said they're committed God. to to working on it. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure You're No wrong. Man's Sky had a much much lower audience, and they worked on that game. Granted, the comparative audience of what they were going for was different, but No Man's Sky pushed through, and they made it. So maybe the slow of an audience, they can push through and make it. Who knows? Yeah. Not counting it's on worth it. it. Not counting on it, but it's possible, I guess. Speaking of not counting on it, but it's possible, I guess. Actually, minus the not pos- the possible part, because it's not possible. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog is getting nice delayed. Nice transition. <laughs> <laughs> Sonic yes. the Hedgehog movie is getting delayed to fix Sonic, uh, which I don't think is possible. I think this movie's problems go way deeper than just Sonic and his look. Oh, yeah. Um, but they're delaying it. For yep. February 14th, Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day 2020. I, mean, I saw the trailer and thought, how romantic. I know, right? Jim yeah. Carrey, let's all sit on his face. <laughs> Do you know what looks better than Sonic, though? Uh, EA Frostbite's new engine. Yeah. And next-gen hair. So EA shows off Frostbite Engine's next-gen hair. Tom Phillips at Eurogamer uh, reported this. If you guys have 20 seconds, go look up this video because that hair looks so good. Uh, it sucks that it's on Frostbite Engine, which apparently is notorious for being terrible to work with. Yeah, I tell you, though, that it, it does look shockingly good. I remember when I saw Final Fantasy thirteen and the hair in that, and I was like, whoa, like next-gen hair. That's remarkable. Square Enix are geniuses. This just looks like real hair. It does. It looks it like looks real like fucking hair. It looks like real hair. It's like, amazing. I could see this hair on lightning from Final Fantasy 13 in an ad for some Gucci purse. <laughs> <laughs> There's y- you can see individual strains of hair moving on their own. Light reflects off of each strand individually. You can also see imperfections, some like strands that are loose and kind of separated from the other strains of hair. It's just it's crazy crazy good looking. Good job to them. In the biz we call those flyaways. Is that what they're called? Yeah. I did not know that. You gotta tame your flyaways. <laughs> uh, moving on to Nintendo. Nintendo Quest Log! Sega! <laughs> Game Freak! Prioritizing original development. Quote, we are always trying to create something equally exciting or more exciting than Pokemon. All of what I just said is the headline of the article. Yeah, that's a long headline. <laughs> Uh, so within Game Freak, Team One Gear Project is devoted to original pitches by developers. We've actually already seen one of these games, right? Town isn't Town one of their original games that's coming out? I don't. They didn't mention that in the article as a, something from Gear a Gear Project. I think that might be from the Pokemon team because oh. they mentioned from the people who brought you Pokemon in there. Let me see. Harmonite, Pocket Card Jockey, and Anous O N O U E. Apostrophe S, possessive. Giga Wrecker, all games from Gear Project. And these games are not exclusive to the Nintendo platforms. They are also on PS4, Xbox, and PC. Team, I hate you. Team 2 is all about them Pokemans. <laughs> um, I don't see, it just says everywhere I'm looking from the Pokemon creators comes 
does that mean the team within them that's Pokemon, or does that mean just Game Freak? So I don't, I don't know. know. No say, I say. Town could be. Yeah, what I mean, Town did not look interesting to me. No, it didn't. So I am not interested in Pocket Card Jockey. Yeah. <laughs> or Giga Wrecker or Harmonite, whatever that is. Well, that's kind of why I'm, I'm thinking maybe Town's not part of this because I know Town more than any of these other games. Yeah. They mentioned here. So Harmonite, Pocket Card Jockey, and Onu's Giga Wrecker. Great. Yeah, I haven't I heard any of those. Um,. But it's interesting that they are making a statement to say that they're trying to basically branch out from Pokemon. Yeah. And they're not making these games to be in the shadow of Pokemon. They want these to hopefully be huge. The thing is, is that no matter what they make, it's always going to be in the shadow of Pokemon because Pokemon's literally the biggest IP on the planet. Yeah. So, well, I don't know on the planet, but it is huge. No, I, huge. I'm pretty confident it is the biggest entertainment intellectual property on the planet. It's not counting like Coca-Cola or something like that. Mm, Coca-Cola is an entertainment property. <laughs> well, you look that up. I'll talk about Mario Kart Tour Beta. Uh, get your first look at Mario Kart Tour from mobile from IGN. The beta for Android is available in Japan right now. And although the beta does include a non-disclosure agreement where you're not supposed to share screenshots or video, people are doing it anyway. Um, so some things about it. The carts apparently drive automatically and you swipe to steer. There are a few playable characters and courses. Um, Mario, Luigi, Peach, Bowser, Toad, uh, to, and Toad to Shy Guy, Toadette, Metal Mario, Dry Bones, and the baby characters. Something that's interesting that apparently is being called out is that they are testing maybe having microtransactions to unlock some characters to play as. So you might get a core group of a few people to play as. And then if you want to play as other people with, quote, special abilities, you'll have to pay extra, mon- uh, extra money to unlock them as well. But also interesting is that the circuits seem to be from the other Mario Kart games. So there's the SNES Chaco Island 2, the DS Luigi's Mansion level, 3DS Toad Circuit, and the 3DS Mario Circuit level as well. And then related to that, there's a headline from Nintendo Life, the beta for Mario Kart Tour doesn't seem to include proper multiplayer racing. Quote, Game Explain have discovered the upcoming mobile release is simply grabbing profiles of players, which are then represented as CPU during a race. So you can leave a race, wait, and then rejoin the race exactly where you left off. Um, so yeah, that it's basically the ghost system. Yep. A little bit, but like artificial intelligence, machine learning ghost system, where it's not necessarily, I drove this track and this is exactly where I went, but it's them saying, if Chad drove this track, this is probably what he would do. And you race that version of me rather than you and I actually racing in real time. That, I think, I think takes all the joy out of it for me. I'm not surprised they do it that way, though, because they want it to be pick up and play whenever... Like, they want it to be a, oh, I have three seconds or three minutes. Let me try doing a race in Mario Kart. If your friends are not coincidentally going to be playing in that three-minute period, most likely. So yeah, but what do you play Mario for Kart for? To race against the computer all the time? No. I do no, it to try to prove to myself that I'm better than you, and you always beat me. But anyway, it's based and that's off. Why of, I don't play but Mario it's based Kart off anymore. of your t- of your time. So if you're doing the ghost races, some of those ghost races can be really tough because it's not. It's still looking at how long it took them to finish the race. So if you beat the race five seconds faster than me because the racing was so much better, sure I won't see your racing that was so dope. It'll just be a version of you that just going around the track in whatever pattern the computer decided to go in. But it'll still be timed to end 
But it's still not going to be as fun. Period. I won't be able to say, oh, man, hold on. You remember when I ran you off the road and you fell into that pit? And but you that's can be like, no, I don't remember that because it was Mario's another about. artificial inver- uh, intelligence version of me. But that's what console Mario is about. I know. That's why I'm not interested in mobile Mario. Well, if this is just designed to get people to play the console version, and you already have the console version, so I they do, won. But I don't play that one anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pokemon is the largest intellectual property for media. Um, number two shocking i did not expect number two at all pokemon uh, has has made 90 billion dollars since 1996 that's why it's the number one property oh that's the that's the the uh measurement yes is how much it's made how much money it's made yes okay um number two not mind share or anything else important well i think money would be a big factor in that i mean they're correlated yeah um <laughs> i guess number two is this is really surprising but i didn't know how long this property Pornhub. has been around no, but man, that's definitely bigger than Pokemon for sure. <laughs> yep. Hello Kitty is number two. Oh, I believe that. Uh, but it's been around since 1974. So yeah, I remember being a kid having Karopi the Frog, a little stuffed animal. Hello yeah. Kitty's huge. Number two is one, sorry, number three is Winnie the Pooh. Number four, Mickey Mouse Stupid. and Friends. Stupid. And then number five is uh, Star Wars. Stupid Pokemon for life, y'all. Interesting. And what's that your source? Uh, this is Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. Good luck using that in a research paper. Moving on to our Microsoft <laughs> Quest log. Project X Cloud colon more for gamers and developers. This is from Major Nelson from the horse's mouth. Uh, sorry, Major Nelson is not a horse. From the human's mouth itself. We don't use idioms because idioms are not international, and we hope to grow our podcast to be an international <laughs> treasure. We're uh, all learning five <laughs> languages. <laughs> We'd record it five times different languages to to grow. That's right. That's right. It's going to work. But it all starts with not using idioms. <laughs> Foundation of Azure Data Center across the globe in North America, Asia, and Europe means that they are centrally located for many, many con- continents and countries around the world. Um, Capcom and Paradox Interactive can test their games on xCloud without porting, adding, or changing any code. Basically, plug and play. That's kind of the allure of this is that... Gamers, uh, sorry, game developers don't have to do anything extra to make their games run on on Project X Cloud. And I think one of the more staggering things that came out of this is that literally every single Xbox, Xbox One, and Xbox 360 game that is playable today on Xbox One is going to be on Project uh, playable on Project X Cloud. Yeah, I almost called it Project Stream. Um, yeah, so it all just works. They don't have to do anything extra. But this other last part here. Is streaming API? IS streaming? Yes. I, I guess. Okay. Whatever. Uh, quote, games can then queue features and functionality to enhance the streaming experience. For instance, adjusting font sizes for smaller displays or hosting multiplayer matches on a single server to reduce latency. So they can add extra things into their game for streaming to optimize it for different mobile platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just kind of want that font sizes thing to be a general thing in games going forward. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It doesn't have to stream, but I just want to be able to adjust it no matter what. Interesting. So one thing I thought, thought was interesting, too, um, they talked, Microsoft talked about how, and I actually didn't put the exact stat in here, but they said that they have 13 regions, 13 of their regions are going to be supporting, are going to have data centers for Project X Cloud, And they have like 150, they have 154 regions that they cover or countries they cover 
54 regions in total. So I think 140 countries, sorry, 140 countries, 54 regions. That's the number I'm looking at. They cover 13 of those regions are going to be um, dedicated to uh, Project X Cloud. I decided to try to look up what Stadia was doing, what their uh, kind of mm-hmm. what their access is going to be, and I couldn't find the exact stat, but they have 200 countries that they're supporting, and they have data centers in, so they already have a larger net kind of across the globe. So I'm not sure if Microsoft is dedicating more of their resources to this than Google is. Google might be only dedicating two regions. I have no idea. Um, they might be focusing on only U.S. right now. I have no idea. But I thought that was interesting, is that Google is coming from a place of having more data centers than Microsoft does, which could play to their advantage. Interesting. So I just thought that was worth mentioning. Yeah. Since they, since they made a point of mentioning it. And then finally, uh, I guess this is something we should talk about. Do You don't think we should? I think it's just so stupid because it's only on PC. <laughs> <laughs> Introducing the new Xbox Game Bar, also from Major Nelson. Uh, so this is something that comes up on your Windows 10 device. If you are playing games, you can hit the Windows key and the G key uh, to access a dashboard. Uh, so if you are kind of familiar with the Mac OS dashboard, which I guess if you're familiar with that, then this Windows 10 thing is uh, irrelevant to you. But it's kind of like that, except for instead of having widgets on there, you can have gaming-focused stuff. So you can have things that when you press Windows key G... Uh, while you're playing a game, you could have screen capture tools and sharing, uh, controlling your Spotify playlists, uh, doing looking for group, that kind of stuff with friends. Um, all of that can come up baked now into the Windows 10 operating system. So, woohoo! I do. Think- do you know if this has to be integrated with like the the they rebranded? It's not the Microsoft Game Store anymore. It's I like don't. Xbox I know it's interesting. Right? Yeah, I don't think it does, and the reason is that. There's a quote, just a quote in here is that it works with nearly all PC games. So that they don't say, they don't say Epic as well. Yeah, exactly. But I think what that might mean is if you wanted to like match with your friends to join a game with them, both of you guys still have to be on Xbox to to do that. Yeah. Um, I imagine that, but like you could still do text chat back and forth with your friends playing different games that way. You could still change your Spotify playlist that way. I'm sure there's things you can still control and do even if the game is from Steam or from Epic Game Store or something like that, as long as yeah. it's not directly interacting with that game. So I think it's just interesting only in the sense that it means that Microsoft is just taking another step to make sure they have a presence in gaming, even if it's not their own store. Kind of sticking yep. through to kind of open access. But I think this is actually kind of, this could turn into something larger. I think this might be the kernel of something. I don't know. It's kind of cool. This could be the start of something new. The next story is musical. much more consequential moving into we're our, go Sony to Quest our Sony Quest Log. Sorry, I didn't know you were going to transition. Then we both said it, and now this is awkward because we're both <laughs> walking away in the same direction. So I'm just going to walk like three miles per hour faster than you. Okay, keep going then, Chad. PS5 price could be seriously affected by proposed 25% tariff coming from William Parks at Game Rant. Uh, so this new tariff proposal is from the Office of the United States Trade Representatives would add 25% to goods coming from China including, among a shit ton of other things, video game consoles and machines. This could possibly come into effect by June 24th, depending on the hearing on June 17th. Um, I uh, These stories serve a purpose, but they are very misleading, I believe. In this case, calling out just PS5? 
is yes. <laughs> this yes. would affect every console being sold. Anything that's basically manufactured in China, essentially. And here's here's the thing. The, this is meant to scare you and be like, I don't want PS5 to cost 25% more. I'm going to be against whatever this tariff is. And what this is really doing is there are billions of headlines, literally billions. I decided that right now. Billions of headlines, all just like this, except for substitute PS5 with... Your favorite Ninja Blender is going to cost 25% more. Your favorite Windows laptop is going to cost 25% more. All to get people up in arms about this tariff so that people call their senators and say, hey, I don't want this tariff. And then their senators do whatever the fuck senators do, probably like jack off in a bathroom and assault somebody. <laughs> I think it's what happens in House of Cards. That, that sounds yes, about right. That exactly. And murder people. But really, I don't think we are ever going to see anywhere near a 25% increase no. on cost for any of this shit well to, to the senator stuff that's going to happen is that 25 percent is going to be drastically reduced to something else or it'll be replaced exactly. filled in with something else like rice will start costing more or something like that i don't know corn will like just something else that they can tax they'll tax right. that instead there um, will never come a day when you see oh remember when playstation 4 used to cost 300 dollars? well now it costs 350 dollars. you will never well, see that don't happen. say never but it's unlikely in our current system you absolutely won't <laughs> <laughs> So yes, these headlines are important because it's meant to get you riled up so that you take action in your country and do your duty and vote, which you should do. But you should also not believe this headline. <laughs> Speaking of great headlines, uh, next-gen PSVR could have double the resolution and no wire. Comes from Matt Kim from US Gamer. Again, taking something said in an interview and kind of making some decisions about it, but not really. Dominic Mallinson, Sony VP of R&D, discussed must-have features in a next-gen VR headset at Collision 2019. Um, so he had spoken very candidly about you know what VR, the state of the industry is in VR, uh, what as a general whole VR should be going towards, and then he never like mentioned anything specifically like PSVR, this is what we need to do with it specifically next-gen, but some cool things have come out of it. Um, some hypotheses that people are having based around that is that we will have double the resolution or in order to match modern expectations for high-res content. One other thing that I read in this, speaking of resolution, that I hadn't considered, it, traditionally with screens and TVs, we talk about DPI or uh, dots per inch, how many pixels per inch as a measure of resolution of whether something is good or bad resolution. But I hadn't considered that in VR... That's not necessarily a great measurement. While something may have more pixels, it might also have a wider field of view. So they measure things in pixels per degree. Because So if you have a narrower point of view but lower resolution, that might provide the same experience as a wider point of, field of view with a higher resolution. Uh, so just a little fun fact and tidbit that I got out of this interview. The more you know. Yeah, the more you know. That's my super short show. Uh, those are two different slogans that I mashed up. <laughs> uh, have I mentioned that I'm as good as the kids on Glee? I can do a mashup. Introductory wired model and higher-end wireless model is hinted at. Quote, that's something that we've done with the PlayStation 4. We could do that with PSVR, having two uh, different models, that is, PlayStation 4 PlayStation 4 Pro. But I think what he thought was most important, and I think is also a, a huge factor for the next one, is eye tracking and larger field of view at 120 degrees. Um, eye tracking would allow you to do so many different types of things in VR, one of the examples he gave was being able to 
rather than having to turn and orient your whole head at somebody, you can choose who you're having a conversation with in a game by just looking at them. So if I look to my right with my eyes, I could say something and address that person or press a button and address that person and then look to the left and say, hey, what do you think about it? It also makes things like rec room or places where you're like gathering with people in real life. It makes those interactions a lot more uh, natural, being able to see eye tracking and where people are actually looking. And then, yeah, wider field of view. You mentioned that with our periphery, we have uh, about 180 degrees field of view as humans, but most headsets top out at 120. So there's definitely a, um, uh, a big opportunity there. Oh, something else about the eye tracking. If they can track where your eye is looking at any specific time, they also have the ability then to render that small spot at a really high resolution and then everything in the periphery be lower resolution to save on processing power as well. Which is basically uh, how your eyes work anyway. <laughs> exactly, yeah. We, a lot of people are like, what's the resolution of the human eye? And it's like, it doesn't work like that. That's not a thing. Because we see small areas really sharp and clear and then everything else around it is blurry until we move our eye to that location. Whew, that was a lot of stuff. <laughs> Holden, what are your thoughts on this as a VR person? Um, you are a person in virtual reality right now. <laughs> I mean, it all makes sense. I think I'm most intrigued by... I mean, the whole eye tracking 120 degrees, everyone's doing that. That's kind of what's just... That's that's like saying you're going to have a new generation of Bluetooth in your next iPhone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like It's like, that's going to happen. Like, that makes sense. Um, but what is interesting to me is this whole higher-end wireless model or an introductory wired model. And how that would would work and play out. What would the cost difference be? I'm just very curious about how that would look. Yeah. But it also gets me thinking about kind of wireless VR and kind of comparing that to like Oculus Quest being wireless VR. And I actually think that uh, it's a better solution to have, if you can do it right and it works well enough, to have a PlayStation VR headset that's is high resolution and other things are talking about, yada, yada, yada that just wirelessly connects to the PlayStation. How often are you going to be doing VR not at home? Probably almost never. Right. You might as well have a really powerful console powering that thing wirelessly, as opposed to Oculus Quest that's a mobile processor inside of a headset that has a two-hour battery life. It has a right. two-hour battery life because it's a processor inside that headset. Um, that's great right now, but I do think that if they could nail that, a higher-end wireless model, even if it does cost more, that looks just as good as the wired model... And probably has a better battery life than something like an Oculus Quest because it's really just a display and not really crunching heavy numbers itself. That could be a wonderful experience. Yeah. And that kind they of excites mentioned, me a lot. With the wireless, they had mentioned like there are two ways to go and they've looked at both ways. There's mm-hmm. the system on a chip as well as the battery and all of that built into the headset. And then there's the just communicating over a wireless frequency with a PlayStation. Uh, and one of the things that they had mentioned about the standalone version is like, what you then have to get into is not only do you have all of that, but you also have to have a capable battery of powering that processor, which means that's going to add a lot of weight to it. It's going to add a lot of uh, bulk to the headset. And then he mentioned like, but we did see the Oculus Quest come out and we're interested to like get more feedback on whatever that turns out to be. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like they're definitely leaning more towards the, it's an accessory to your PlayStation rather than a standalone thing. And it's a reckon out for them. They are the best-selling VR headset right now. It has not hurt them in the yeah, slightest. Yeah, it's like 4.6 million units, I think. Yeah, it, it's beating everyone else by a lot. It's not a close race by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. Like at this point, like if it's a horse track, they're at like the everyone else at the first corner, and Sony's at Jupiter. Like it's just not even the same <laughs> race. It's dude, that horse is amazing. It can breathe <laughs> outside in space. 
it's great and it goes it goes fast too like it yeah. got there without burning like up or anything like holy crap uh, so while all of that is interesting to think about what the next one might look like, we won't necessarily see it when PS5 launches. So quote, or sorry, headline says, no new PSVR to coincide with Sony next-gen console. Next Sony console, says PlayStation R&D head from Serial Vasquez. Um, so they discussed it, and the direct quote is, there's no reason for us to coincide it with a new console. Doesn't want the customer to feel like they have to buy everything at once, and I think that makes 100% sense. And I think this also makes sense with having a wired and high-end wireless model. That wireless model might not be ready yet, especially if they want to do as high resolutions we're talking about. Double the resolution is insane. That's yeah. a really high-end headset. But if you really think about that, PlayStation 5 is probably going to come out in like 2020. I mean, some people are predicting 2021, but that seems late to me. Like 2020 sounds about right. So 2021, 2022, 2013, not going to happen. <laughs> 2023, like that range of years... They could release a headset of that quality in that time frame, I think. Yeah. I don't think that's unrealistic. And plus, we already know PlayStation VR is going to work with... The current model will work with PS5, so they can put it off a little while and still have VR support on PlayStation 5, still sell games for, for VR for PlayStation 5 while waiting for this new one to come out. So like, they have time to make that everything work. Yeah. Sorry, I literally see. just was thinking about, like, I wonder how much PlayStation VR will cost when PS5 finally launches, whether you could just pick up the entire bundle for, like, 150 bucks. And then I was thinking, holy shit, how crazy is it that right now you could go out and on a lot of places find a deal for a VR headset, a camera, motion controllers, two games for, like, 180 bucks? How fucking crazy is that? Yeah, but you just wait for next-gen PS5, because this gener- next-gen PSVR, I mean... This generation PSVR is such it's it's totally hobbled together to work. Oh yeah, with like move controllers from twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah, the same cameras years. from twenty years ago. Like, oh, yeah, I mean, more like ten years ago to be fair. But yeah, like twenty, thirty years ago. Oh, so old. <laughs> and... Using literally the Game Boy camera. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's 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 great. So. The next generation one, if they're putting this much time into it, I am really excited to see because there's no way they're just going to use move controllers again with the same camera <laughs> in, in the know. next decade. Like, it's just not going to happen. How accessible would it be if you could just buy the new headset by itself and already have the rest of the setup? I mean, maybe it'll be like it's backwards compatible, but when they ship it, there's going to be new controllers. Yeah. I mean, well, the PlayStation 3 controllers are not compatible with a PlayStation 4. PlayStation 3 Move controllers are compatible with the PlayStation 4 <laughs> VR. <laughs> but say maybe the next generation they won't have support. Who knows? Like you buy it all at once. Technically, fun fact: uh, I a couple weeks ago upgraded from the regular PSVR to the like the 1.1 model, where it's it just has the HDR pass through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got the bundle that comes with the Move controllers, and they did slightly redesign the Move controllers. Ooh. They now charge with USB, uh, micro USB instead of USB mini. Oh, I thought you were going to say USB C. I'm like, no, success for USB C, but no. The and next they have ones a, will, though. a slight matte finish on them that makes them easier to grasp. And they have a redesigned uh, wrist loop. <laughs> so so if, they did redesign and think about these controllers for the PS4. It just got me really excited to think oh my gosh, next generation consoles might have USB C ports everywhere. I'm a big USB C person. You are a big person shaped like USB-C. I am. I'm a big port. (laughs) Yes. um, I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be great. Me too. Speaking of things to look forward to, next gen main quest. 
all about Sony's investor meeting uh, and some teases that we have. Holden, you're going to take over. I feel like I've talked yeah. 600 words in the last four seconds. Go. Let's do it. So, yeah, so Sony had an investors relations meeting, and there was a lot of things that were discussed there, and a lot of things that kind of teased. That they don't never really directly said next gen in some of these cases, but they really felt like they were teasing things about next gen for me. Um, so let's start off with first one here, which is PlayStation boss believes the streaming era is about to experience rapid growth from Imran Khan at Game Informer. So Jim Ryan, the CEO of Sony, believes the streaming era is upon us. And that's basically a reference not just to PlayStation Now, but also remote play. I guess they still are, are looking to that as a as a technology that they want to invest in. He also says they claims that everyone else is in startup slash catch-up mode, but Sony's been building its ecosystem for over 20 years, and it has 13 powerhouse studios. That was kind of confusing for me. Was he talking just about PlayStation Now and saying everyone else is a startup, or he's talking about PlayStation and their ecosystem? Uh, yeah, I'd be interested. To, uh, there are parts of this that you've quoted out. I'd be interested to see the actual sentence. I'm sure it's just as confusing though. But the last part of it makes me think that like it's, it's about PlayStation a, itself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the ecosystem. But the whole startup and catch-up mode in context of talking about streaming services and the streaming era kind of growing. I'm like, ah. Uh, just because PlayStation Now has been around longer, I wouldn't say... It, it's basically just been at a very, very long beta phase. Yeah. So, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. But um, he's not wrong about the studios. They definitely have um, some clout there. We'll return to that. He also said, interestingly, PlayStation 4 will remain profitable for three years, according to Sony. Um, they have showed us... Um, this is from a PDF document that was associated with this investor's meeting. And in this page of the pdf document it says the critical role of ps4 um, one is it will remain the engine of engagement and profitability for the next three years i will come back to that um will provide the fertile early adopter gamer base critical for next gen success and is outstanding roster of exclusive games still yet to come so honestly i just want to just talk Let's just go through everything, and then we'll kind of go on my thoughts on kind of where this is going. Um, so the la- third thing here is Sony shows off PS5 loading times. Um, you sent me this video, actually, of the yeah. PS5 well, loading times. we've time. already read all about this from Wired Magazine, but the same demonstration yeah, that was it in is the Wired the same demo. Now, we can see video of it. Yeah, we can see video of it. It is literally exactly as they described it in the Wired um, yeah. article. Sony's also exploring next-gen um, cross-play, um, thanks to PS4 backwards compatibility. And then Sony's also planning to buy more studios to bolster the PS5-exclusive lineup. Um, and they want to make not just acquisitions for new studios, but also, as they put it, organic growth within their own studios. Um, so that was a lot of stuff there. But I think a lot of that is kind of teasing what their plans are for next-gen. But I'm curious what your thoughts are, Chad, before I go into my little spiel. Um, I think part of the big thing that they are going to be focusing on is obviously PS4 is still a big part of their strategy. Yes. The title of that thing, the critical role of PS4. They have almost 100 million of these things out in homes. When they launch PS5, it's going to be, you know, they'll probably sell a million the first week or the first Mm -hmm. day or the first weekend or something like that. But it's going to be a long time before that thing starts churning out money anywhere near on the scale of PS4. So yeah. some of the evidence that we see here of ways that they're going to suge- um, be um, supporting that, I think is really interesting to talk about, like the exploring cross-gen play with PS4, thanks to backward compatibility. Yeah. 
So if if I buy a game on PS5 and you buy a game on PS4, we can still play together. That doesn't limit us to I can't only play with people who have PS5. That obviously goes for a lot of cross-gen titles coming out. So uh, that third-party-wise, it's always been a really big thing with new generations of coming out on both the old and the new hardware. But that leads me to believe that also PlayStation might be um, releasing their titles. I mean, they kind of did that with The Last of Us where they remastered it. But maybe you get one SKU and that SKU works on both consoles. Yeah, I think it's. Gonna be, I don't think it's gonna be like the remastered situation. I literally think the game they release is PS4 on PS4. Yeah. We'll just get like an update that's like the HDR patches. It's something yeah. they release for games. Yeah. It's gonna be the same idea. It's just gonna have higher resolution textures, um, support for God rays, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, that you know. Sorry, this might get us off on a tangent. We might n- need to say, hey, let's make a different conversation for this sometime. What if the next PlayStation 5, what if PlayStation 5 is just called PlayStation and they just move to being like, you now have, you buy a game and whatever hardware you put it into, it just, oh, cool. You're on a PS4, I'll play this version. You're on a PS5, I'll play this version of it. So actually, that's kind of where I wanted to go with this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have, you don't buy a game box that says PS5 on it. You just say it's a PlayStation. I'm not going quite that far. But I do think that this is going to be, and I've said this before, a soft launch. That essentially, like, I was looking at the numbers, like their claim of uh, PS4 will remain the engine of engagement and profitability for the next three years. Well, I'm like, well, okay, well, how profitable was PS3 in the last, like, few years? Like, how mm-hmm. many people were buying PlayStation 3s? And a lot of people sure might be buying games still, but how many people were buying PlayStation 3s? And boy, the numbers plummet after PS4 comes out, obviously. So you went right. from. 8.46 million in 2013, which is technically the last year it was on sale because PS4 was only on sale for the last two years or last two months of that. Next year, 3.64 million. The year after that, 1.39 million. So it drops off a lot, which means that they're really probably making sales off of the games that are there, not necessarily the new consoles being sold. Right. Software and this, services, that's where the money and the profitability yeah. comes from. And the same thing is seen with Xbox 360, the same exact um, trend. Um, so I think the crossplay, cross gen is going to tie right into that. But I think what they might want to do as well is. I think there's even a rumor of this is have a super cheap PS4 that you can kind of get in and play some of these you know games on. That's the entry level access to the PlayStation ecosystem. There's also rumors of PlayStation Five costing five hundred dollars. Why would they do that if it's going to be too much money? That could kind of hurt them. That it's proven to hurt them before. But if PlayStation Four and PlayStation Five kind of have this backwards kind of exchange with each other it really wouldn't be like having a 500 dollars 500 to get into the new playstation games they might still have a lot of cross-gen games that are coming out for it and that kind of got me looking at well what about the studios that that sony has like are they going to be ready for launch and looking at it most studios probably aren't going to be ready until 2022 at least so when they say we want three years of profitability out of ps4 that might be them saying 2022 is when like we're going to start seeing a lot of our first party studios releasing big games. So like Guerrilla Games is the first one to come out. They generally take 3 to 4 years for their games to release and it's 2017 when Horizon Zero Dawn came out. We know they're working on that game and it sounds like from the rumors we've been hearing development's been going pretty well. So 2020 2021 sounds like good for them. That's the earliest one. Um, Polyphony is also there with Gran Turismo 2020 2021. 
But after that, like Santa Monica, Naughty Dog, Sucker Punch, Bend, Media Molecule, all those studios, they're not ready until 2023, 2022 timeframe. That's a long wait. But if they can... Unless these games that they're coming out with now... Exactly. Unless like Ghost of Tsushima, Death Stranding, Last of Us Part Two, kind of transition smoothly and play well with PS5. And there's still exciting games that people would still say, well, I know I can play Last of Us Part Two on, on PS4, but I really would like to play it on PS5 because it's going to be so much better. They're going to get that audience, I think. So I think that the soft launch is what's going to happen and that it, it's still going to be a next generation because they've always iterated still that they it is a next generation console. Right. They've always said, like Microsoft has said, generations are dead. Sony has maintained generations are still alive. Maybe this is the last time. I don't know. But I think they also know they can get away with it because I think Microsoft's going to have a similar launch because they're more okay with here's just the new hardware. The games are going to come for it. So I think that kind of what's your point of saying like it's just PlayStation. Like here's just kind of like the new console. It, it yeah. does what you're used to doing. It's just better PS4. I kind of think that's what this is going to be. I find it interesting to think about from I don't know hardware wise if we're going to see that where it's like now just the PlayStation platform. Mm-hmm. But when you think about the way games it's still release, I still think it's PlayStation Five to be. Clear. Yeah, it's it's going to be PlayStation Five. Yeah, but when you think about the way games release, um, when PS3 went to PS4. Mm-hmm. A lot of the cross-gen titles, there were promotions like, if you buy this game digitally on PS3, then when you buy a PS4, you can pay $10 to upgrade it and have it on PS4. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's no way to do that with the disc because it was printed specifically for one console or the other. Yeah. But with all of... I, I really think that there might be, software-wise, like it's a one-disc-fits-all kind of thing or one digital purchase now works everywhere kind of thing and there's yeah. there is no more i buy a ps5 game or i buy a ps4 game i just buy a playstation game mm-hmm. and it just depends on what box i put it into as to how it looks what what features it has and how it runs yeah that could be super cool um but also i think a reason for that ps3 ps4 exchange was that you're going from the cell architecture in the ps3 which is the right. own kind of custom to the x86 and for understanding it's still x86 and ps5 as well so like it's just a natural fit like it's just they don't right. they'd have to do work to make it a pain in the ass and pay ten dollars to <laughs> to upgrade a game to, to ps5 they'd have to put an extra work for something like that so they're not right and that seems should. that's a very consumer friendly way that they could make this happen i don't know if that's actually you know what's gonna business sense uh business-wise make sense for them but mm-hmm. um but I'm I sure think, they'd love to find a way to to charge us money but, for an extra copy. But but business wise, it makes all the sense in the world because they have undeniably become the winners of this generation. Yeah. If they can take that and turn it into goodwill moving into the next generation, that's only going to work in their favor. Like, oh, I'm definitely going to buy a PS5 as maybe as well as an Xbox. So I'm definitely going to buy a PS5 because. All my games are going to come along with it. I just bought Last of Us Part 2 earlier this year, and now the PlayStation 5 is coming out later this year. I can just continue playing that game on my PS5. Yep. That's going to be massive. And it's it's big for Microsoft because that's kind of been their their uh, bread and butter lately, but it's a bigger benefit to Sony because of their size. And you know why else it's important? Because that, that builds customer loyalty. And we all yes. know from the Tacoma game that customer loyalty is a, a form of currency in the future. And it's much preferred to cash. And that's <laughs> what's important. 
that was just a future like uh, prediction by Sony by putting yeah. that game on PlayStation. Was saying, and if that hey, comes true, then it definitely happen. means Elon Musk is going to be president too. That doesn't sound like a good idea. <laughs> well, that's what the game predicted. <laughs> <laughs> he smokes marijuana, Chad. Okay, it's legal in this state. <laughs> that's true. It is. <laughs> I was also kidding. Of all people to complain, I don't know, about he might. That. But yeah, that's Great. all I got to say about the Sony stuff. I think that's all I've got to say about that. Yeah, I think I'm so ready for fall of this year when inevitably all this information is going to start rolling out and we're going to learn so much new stuff. I don't know if fall is going to be the time, but we'll see. Well, we're going to hear a little bit of it this summer. Oh, they'll, I think, they'll be sprinkled. I think we're going to start I, hearing some stuff in the fall. I think the big announcement is going to be February next year. Mm, no, it's not. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> Because I want it now. It's my money and I need it now. <laughs> Call J.G. Wentworth. 877-COUCH-NOW. Great. That brings us to our end game where we are going to talk about a few things uh, before we wrap up our show. Number one, if you would like to support us on patreon.com slash respawn aimfire, you can do that. Everything is accessible to you for just a dollar a month. And that includes our new wallpapers that we just put out. So we put out a monthly wallpaper. Uh, you can check out our Twitter for an idea of what they look like. And they're super fun. I have it on my phone and my computer and my iPad right now. Uh, and then you get a chance to play with us as well as uh, vote on what we get to play for Barf uh, in the months going forward so that you can become a bigger part of that and have a bigger investment in it. Next up, we're going to talk about Thanks for Creating, where we take a moment to say thank you to for those in our industry who do really great things and spread some positivity. So this week, thank the developer of your most anticipated E3 game. Whatever game you're going to see at E3 that you are just jizzing your little pantyhose to find out about, thank that developer. Again, our barf game for the month, Backlog Accomplishment, The Respawn and Friends, is Borderlands 2, even if you are not going to play it with us on PS4 but you're going to play along with us on whatever console it is, it is your right and responsibility to give us a 280-character reply so that we can discuss it of your thoughts on the game. So when we have this discussion at the end of June, you have to tell us how you feel about it uh, so we can discuss it. (laughs) We do not have a Ryan subscriber interrogative for this week, but if you want to submit one for next week for us to chat about, any kind of question, do it at Fire on Twitter and everything else. Speaking of everything else, side note, I made the the uh, jump yesterday. All of my gaming handles and social media are all now officially at Chad Mike Innes. Congratulations. I even changed my PlayStation ID. <gasps> Whoa. Yeah. And I looked at the list of games, and uh, the biggest games that looked like they were going to have trouble that I might play are The Last of Us, Uncharted 4, uh, Dark Souls 3, and Bloodborne. So... <laughs> No. Guess I'm never finishing Dark Souls. I don't know. They they probably are all related to multiplayer, which I will probably never do on any of those again. Um, Why would it help you out in Dark Souls Three? It also might just be fine, and just like occasionally other. There are no like defined issues. It doesn't tell you what the issues are, but those are games with some issues mm-hmm. identified. Not critical issues, but some issues. But yeah, I made the jump. I'll let you guys know if I run into any like major problems on it. Quick callback to subscriber interrogatives. You can also research at respawnamefire at gmail.com as well. Yes, you can do that. Literally, no one's ever done it, but you can. Well, in case they don't want to announce their question to the Actually, whole world. Actually, Spooter Scooter did that a long time ago. He did. A long ass time ago. Spooter Scooter, one of the originals, y'all. Yeah. What a Spooter name. Spooter Scooter. <laughs> did he tell us why it. he got that name? I think he did. I think he did, too. But it was so long ago. 
And I'm an old man. Last two so segments. Old. We are so fucking humble. Where we take a back seat and let people who are on a show discuss something and bring a topic of conversation while Holden and I just sit on back and, and help ourselves a nice drink of a glass of water. And uh, that's what we're going to do. I'm just going to drink some water right now. Uh, oh, Holden's got water here. That's a good Great. We've decided that's all the time you guys get. Thank you, guests, for coming on our show. Uh, speaking of, we will have guests back on very soon, next week, EF Gaming, coming back on for some E3 predictions. Shit, that's next week. we got to organize some stuff. Woo! E3 is upon us! And finally... Game on Game Show. The game on Game Show. A game show called Game on our game show. We play a game on our game show, and it's called Game on. Game, 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 game. This week, we have a returning segment called Now Flesh It Out, Now Flesh It Out, where we take two games, mash them up, and try to decide what that game looks like. Uh, I've got three pairings. Holden, are you ready for pairing number two? Yeah, let's do number two first. first. Okay. Let's do it, yeah. Let's do two for 300. Super Metroid Cross Injustice. What does that game look like if we were to cross Super Metroid and Injustice, Gods Among Us? I guess, what's the base game? Is the base game going to be Metroid or is it going to be Injustice? So let's say That's the base game, is, base game Injustice is the easier way to think about it. Because that would just be your... Samus <sighs> is a fightable character. and then I like, just thought of the opposite, but go. <laughs> and then you're just fighting against Metroid. You're fighting against like Ridley, just one-on-one fights. But the other way is, I think is better, which is Metroid is the base game. But I don't know what that looks like. Yeah. You Okay, know what so like. picture this. I'm a bag of dicks. Put me to your lips. Sorry, I just saw Booksmart and that song's in uh, Booksmart. Oh, okay. Booksmart's say, fucking fantastic, Also not an in Injustice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Super Metroid. You have the Metroidvania style where like things are locked and gated off access. You are playing as members of the Justice League. And you start out with one character. And then as you, you come across like barriers and obstacles or enemies that you can only fight with certain superpowers and you like, you find Flash in a prison somewhere and you got to break him out of the prison and then you can just do anything speed related. You can run across spikes or lava or water or whatever. And then you, uh, Batman can, I don't know, throw batterings at things. <laughs> Whatever their special powers are, that unlocks the next area okay. or, or no, fight. No, no, Here's, here's our, I'm, I'm taking your idea. We're taking the next level, though. Okay. Because it'd be really annoying to be like, oh, I need to run here. Let me go to the menu, go through 30 characters to get to the Flash. Okay, now I can run. It's not going to work. What's going to work is when you get to a boss room, it's the Flash. And now you have to beat the Flash. And he can use those his abilities against you, but once you beat him, you absorb his abilities. And now you have... Like Mega Man style. Yeah. But still in Mega Man, you have to cycle through the weapons. What if it's God of War style? And you just have it? Where God of War, you like kill that... Like you kill um, Hermes and you take his sandals. And now you're wearing his sandals and you can just fucking run up walls now. Or you mm. kill Hercules and you take its gauntlets, and now you can fucking well, beat the shit out of things. That's what I basically mean. Like in Metroid, you can run really fast if you just start running in one direction for a while. You just do it. Yeah. Like the Flash would work that way. Now that you have that ability. Ooh, I like that a lot. Yeah. So who are who are you playing as if you're killing everyone in the Justice League? Um, a Marvel fan. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, play as Stanley going through the DC universe. Oh, R.I.P. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Good choice. All right. Number three. Super hot cross Nintendogs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's what it is. You have 30 puppies that are coming up to you. 
Yes. But time only moves when you move to go pet them. And you have to pet all the puppies within a certain time frame. Before they overwhelm you and suffocate you. Exactly. (laughs) What if it, what if, okay, same, same idea. It's super hot. It's the base game. Yeah. But maybe you're like a dog catcher. (laughs) <laughs> and the dogs are getting away, and like one of them is about to jump off a picnic table and run away. One of them is about to like run oh, between I like your this. legs, and you yeah. got to like catch the dogs. But you got to plan which ones you're going to catch in what order. Maybe there's a net nearby, and you can throw it over a dog. Okay, or you might be able to like net a dog and then like combo and like swipe over to get another dog. Like... Yes. Yeah. Or there are just a lot of dogs in a room, and you got to shoot them to death. <laughs> Oh my god, that's terrible. <laughs> no. No, I was just thinking... No, we like, don't condone shooting dogs. Not only that, but I was thinking, of that, like, what's my favorite, like, happiest word? Like, a little phrase, like, if I could just say this phrase, I'll always be happy. And that phrase is soft little puppy. I can't not say soft, soft little, little puppy, puppy and, like, not just become happy immediately. All right, you only shoot so, full-grown dogs. And no, you can't wiry. shoot... wiry. They have, like, puppies. poodle hair, so it's not soft. Oh, yeah, fuck those dogs. <laughs> Greyhounds are basically mini horses, and horses smell bad. <laughs> or, I like where we settled on that. Or or how about this? There's a cute, soft little puppy in a room. Just mm-hmm. one. And you have to shoot the cats that are coming to get it. <laughs> yes! Yes! Kill the cats! Oh, that's perfect. And the cats are like ninjas, like, creeping in through the window and, like, jumping out of an air vent and stuff like that. Exactly. Yes, I love that. And they have nine lives. They're annoying to kill. (laughs) Great. Last one for the day. Rock band cross Ninja Turtles. Now, I kind of came up with something like this. I came up with something while I was making these up. So it's, it's... It's a rhythm game where you see things coming at you and you gotta do that. Like rock band, right? But then you combine it with, like, the idea of rhythm game and movement, like, just dance. And then you think about, what if we add Ninja Turtles to that? What if it's you fighting an onslaught of the the Foot Clan, which are the enemies from Ninja Turtles, but it's, like, rhythm-based fighting with, and depending on who you are, you fight d- different styles, whether it's the Psy from Raphael or the, the Bow Staff from Donatello, and you have to, like, fight in rhythm to the different moment and move uh, as people come at you, and they're coming at you from different angles, so you got to, like punch up into the left with your your bow staff to get rid of that guy and then like rhythm and music based fighting game in vr they should do like so basically what i'm, I'm picturing here mm-hmm. is just dance but enemies are coming at the screen and you like pound them which makes it sound like an eye toy game from like PlayStation. <laughs> i think the thing is it has to be in vr because okay. if you're just looking at a screen with some with a character of you on it and you're punching, no. It's got to be in VR so that you can see them coming at you and you're punching in real time. Or it's just a, version, it's a VR version of Rock Band where everyone in the audience is a Ninja Turtle and you just got to keep them happy. <laughs> That's it. It's really just Rock Band with just Ninja Turtles present yeah, okay. in the audience. Okay. That's it. And you're only playing songs featured in the Ninja Turtles at some point. Like the Ninja Turtles live show. Is that a thing? Well, I really straight, don't know anything no about No need Ninja to Turtles. hesitate. Think straight. Yeah, I watched the shit out of that Ninja Turtles live show. That sounds like show. a great rock band song right there. 
<laughs> I'm going to try to find a video of Ninja Turtles Live and send it to you and let you know how awful it is. But I played the shit out of that VHS tape. <laughs> uh, great. Well, that's it. That's all we got for now. Flesh it out and game on game show. And that's it for our show. Uh, again, go check us out on Twitter. Follow us all the place. Play uh, Borderlands 2 with us. Um, that's all we got. That's all yeah? we got. Until next week, everybody, here's our usual sign-off. <laughs> I'm a dainty geisha. <laughs>